Welcome back, everybody, to the 48th edition of the West Coast Preps Podcast, the Dave Stewart edition of the West Coast Preps Podcast. I am Chris Jackson, joined here by Gregory Morlantoon, and we've got a really fun special guest, one of the top coaches in Northern California and California, Tom Costello from Dublin High School, the boys' basketball coach there. Coach, how are you doing today, sir? Lovely. Doing great. Thanks for having me on, Chris. Appreciate it. Our pleasure. Our pleasure. Yeah. So how's, how's the offseason going for you guys so far? Uh, you know, it's, for us, I think, you know, it's, it's small victories, right? Just being able to see each other in person um, is, is huge for us. And, um, you know, obviously we can't, we can't be inside together. So we'll find a playground. We'll find something uh, to uh, just be able to get together and just see the smile on their faces, just being, you know, just being able to be together and playing a little bit. Yeah. And I know some cities have taken down the rims and some parks have taken down rims of basketball courts. Have you been able to yeah. adjust to that and have you been able to work through that as well? Yeah, it's just another, you know, we just kind of talk about adversity and, and um, you know, so yeah, the city of Dublin uh, pretty much took down all um, outdoor rims uh, completely. So for them to be able to find some place to play is a challenge. So um, we've been, uh, fortunate to have some, uh, you know, local playgrounds in Pleasanton, um, near my home that we're just kind of, you know, getting together in our, in our small pods and, um, getting some work in, but yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's adversity. It's, you know, it's, if that's the worst thing that happens to us, um, we're in good shape. Yeah. And what got you into coaching in the first place and teaching and when did you know that you wanted to work with kids and work in the education system? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I, I don't know if there was a particular date, you know, time that hit me, but, um, you know, I went to, I went to school to study kinesiology and, and I think, I think, you know, at one point it was, uh, physical therapy was going to be my profession. And, and when I found out that, uh, you know, my playing career was over and physical therapy, uh, with a physical therapy degree and profession, I wouldn't be able to coach, you know, and, and, you know, the hours wouldn't really lend itself to be able to work with kids. I think I kind of changed my uh, route and went to, uh, went to PE route in, uh, in science. Um, so that's, you know, so I figured out the best way to be able to work with kids is to teach. And, um, you know, so I, I went with that and, uh, you know, got my science minor and uh, PE major or kinesiology major and went into teaching and, and, um, you know, I've just been fortunate to have some, some great mentors and coaches growing up and um, had a lot of respect for them. And um, just, you know, I love basketball uh, and figured, you know, the best way to, to, uh, to work with kids is, is through that avenue. And then that's going to segue yeah. us into the next question as well as what yeah. brought you into Dublin and you went to Dublin High? Uh, it was kind of a long, windy road, but no, I, I, uh, um, you know, I got done coaching or I got done playing. I played at San Francisco state and, um, and got done and finished my degree. Uh, and while I was finishing up my last year of my degree, I was helping out with the, with the San Francisco state program with Charlie Thomas. He was, he was, uh, gracious enough to let me join his staff. And, um, so I learned a lot from him as sort of a graduate type assistant. And, uh, and that was what 90 shoot. That was 90. 95, I believe, and uh, just got the bug, got the bug of coaching and um, 
I then went back to my to my alma mater, uh, Ambler Valley, and coached with Don Underwood for a little bit, uh, for two, three years with 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 coach. And um, yeah, I just you know that kind of got the blood pumping a little bit. And um, you know what I, I <laughs> was that your question? <laughs> I can't. I just got off on a tangent there. What was the original question? I'm sorry. I was just, how did you get to Dublin? Yeah. What brought you there? Oh, yeah. yeah so. Um, so I coached with Jerry Freitas at College of Notre Dame in 99. That was my first, uh, you know, after, after Amador Valley went in 99, went to uh, coach with Jerry Freitas at, he now runs the Hoop Review. And he was the head coach at College of Notre Dame in Belmont. So uh, he hired me as an assistant coach there, worked with him for a year. And then, you know, he kind of encouraged me to get a head job. And so I applied to, uh, uh, Marope Catholic actually um, did not get the job was a finalist um, did not get it was crushed um, and then I went to I was going to work with my brother at uh, Chabot College who was a head, he was a head coach at Chabot College for 15 years um, I actually played for him uh, which is odd playing for your brother I mean that's kind of a different dynamic than you know your dad or whatever but uh, played for my brother and uh, anyway um, went to, uh, you know, I went to try to coach with him and then the Tennyson high school job opened up in Hayward and he encouraged me to go for that job. And I was fortunate to be hired. And, um, I was there from 2000 to 2006. We had a lot of success. Um, and, uh, you know, it was a program that was kind of, you know, um, down in the dumps a little bit, um, and uh, we were fortunate enough to, to build and build and build and, and um, you know, had a great staff and great players and uh, had some success there. So in 2006 was my final year and I was actually going to take some time off. We had our third child and um, commuting from Pleasanton to, to Hayward on a daily basis was getting you know, a little tedious. I spent a lot of time on the road. I wanted to be with my family a little bit. So I told my wife I was going to take some time off until, you know, something else, you know, opens up or, you know, just wherever it takes me. And, and, uh, so I resigned at Tennyson and it was hard, man. There's a lot of tears. I'm not, you know, just, it was hard. It was hard. Cause I love those kids, man. And, and, um, you know, hardworking kids, hardworking staff. And that was really tough. But, um, so we, I took some time off. Uh, it turned out to be about four months. Um, <laughs> uh, and, uh, the head coach at the time at Dublin High School was a good friend of mine, uh, Chris Meredith, and he was, he was the coach there. And he told me, he said, hey, I'm stepping down. Would you be interested in coaching? I said, you know what, I'm, I'm all right. I, I, uh, you know, I promised my wife, and I think it's just better that I just take some time off and reset. And uh, so I thought that was that. And then the next day, the athletic director called um, Sean McHugh, who's, who's a good friend of mine, and he said, Hey, we're, you know, we're interested and in, just come talk to us. And, um, I said, no, nah, I'm, I'm good. Like, you know, I appreciate it and I'll do whatever I can to help you find a good candidate. Um, and then, and, uh, thought it was the end of it. And then the next day the principal called, um, Carol, Sh Carol Shimizu. Um, and I couldn't resist. Um, she said, come in, we'll talk, we'll chat. And I, I did, um, interviewed, um, just had a great feel for it. Really, sports-minded administration, um, 
and uh, just had a great gut feeling about it. So had a long conversation with my ever uh, gracious uh, wife, um, totally understanding. She said, go for it. And uh, the commute was about nine minutes. And um, so I, I went for it. And uh, man, it's one of the best decisions I ever made. And now at Dublin, yeah. we've seen your program is just become one of the premier programs out there, right? You guys have been to NCS championship games, NorCal championship games, made deep postseason runs, it seems like consistently every year over the last decade. How have you built Dublin into being one of these top flight programs on the basketball court? Uh, it's a lot of hard work. I mean, I, I've, I've lucked into having really, really good players. And, and as you probably know, the better your players, the smarter you look. And, um, you know, I, 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 we made a point, you know, I, I, after accepting the job, you know, I talked to a lot of, you know, former coaches, a lot of uh, coaches that were close to the program and said, what's the issue? What's the deal? What do we got to, what do we got to do? And, and, you know, consensus was, Hey, we got to keep, we got some good players in this, in this, uh, uh, area we got to keep them home because we were losing them to you know the private schools and and you know to the local publics that were having some success so my goal uh, from that moment on was to keep our kids at home and to make it a program that was a you know kind of a destination spot to for for kids to stay home because I thought we had enough talent to compete with anybody and um, slowly but surely you know kids started gravitating towards the program and of course success breeds um success right and so they want to be part of something that's that's building and um i was fortunate you know some families trusted us and kids trusted us and they stayed home and we've had some success yeah and then as you have built this into almost a giant in the basketball community was there a moment that you knew you had something special? Was there a singular moment that you just knew that it was turning around? Um, oh, very nice words. I, I appreciate the kind words. Um, they, uh, yeah, I mean, I think the 2000, you know, my second year, so my first year uh, was, a, was a building year. I mean, we went from what, five and, they were five and 21, I think, or six and 20 the year before I got there. And then my first year, we were about 500, and that was a success. I mean, that was a group of kids that that trusted what we were doing. And then that second year, um, we had a good young nucleus of kids. Um, you know, Brent McCone, Johnny Johnny Warlick uh, uh, were the young kids. But then we had um, Tim Scott and KJ Scott, and uh, you know. Um, Kellogg and, and Bettis and, and those were kids that were totally totally bought in to what we were doing and um, they trusted you know and then so coupled that you know hungry senior class with you know a young talented sophomore class um, you know that I think that was sort of the moment where shoot we can get this done I mean we have enough talent and grit and grind and and willing to do all those little things to get it done and we ended up in the uh ncs championship game division three at that time um played camp window in the final um got our butts handed to us but it was a great experience um you know and that to get to that championship game in the second in the second year 
Yeah. You've off some really good names there, and you've had a lot yeah. of good ones, right? Jameer Andrews, JoJo McGlasson, I want to say mid-2010s, 2012, 2013. Yeah. Paul's rolled through before going to Montana. This yeah. class you just had rolling through senior class. Now these new kids you guys have had, just from when you first started to now, how have you seen just basketball grow, not only at your high school, but just how much have you seen the basketball culture grow in the city of Dublin? Man, it's been awesome. Um, it's been awesome because I think before we got there, you know, Getting to NCS, um, just being, you know, playing an NCS game or postseason game was a feat, and it hadn't happened a ton. And, um, you know, so the, just the excitement, um, you know, the, 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 the aura, not the aura, but the vibe around the school um, was exciting. I mean, it was, you know, it was just, you know, there's a lot of support, and I can't stress that enough how – you know, it's like a three-tier deal, right? It's co it's four tiers, you know, coaching staff, players, parents, and administration. If all four of those are pulling, you know, rowing the boat in the same direction, man, I mean, you can get a lot of stuff done. And, and uh, the support was outstanding. But, yeah, you mentioned, um, you know, JoJo and Jameer and, and uh, Devin Copeland was our point guard, Cameron Moses, um, you know, Eric Nielsen. That team uh, might have been – uh, you know, I'd love for that team to play last year's team. You know, I, I, there's a lot of, uh, there's always a lot of talk of which team's better. Well, you can't, you know, I can't really compare, but that would have been a heck of a game. And, um, but I think it's just, you know, it just, when you have some success and guys feel like they want to be part of something bigger than themselves, um, you know, it just makes coming to work um, so fun. I mean, I, I enjoy the practices and, and watching them compete against each other. Um, sometimes more than the games. I mean, it's 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 fun to watch them watch them compete. And then go into more of your core values of the program and your culture and how exactly you try to instill that every year. Well, our thing's always been since I got there was tough, smart, and selfish. And um, it's sort of a you know it's a mantra that we that um, you know I was fortunate to be a part of. I grew up you know my younger coaching years. Um, at the Lavin basketball camps and, um, uh, and Cap Lavin was a, you know, legend in, in the Marin County area and his son, as you probably know, Steve Lavin coached at UCLA. And, um, and so those camps uh, really kind of instilled a lot of those values that I carry into, um, you know, to, to my programs. I mean, we had the same thing at Tennyson. It's, you know, if you care, if you're tough, mentally tough, physically tough, um, emotionally tough, and you're, you're physical, um, and you're smart, you play, you know, you, you know, make the right pass, make the right play. Um, you have an intelligence, you think the game. And then the third one is unselfish. And in this day and age where, you know, it's a lot of me going on and, and what, what's best for me to get a group of kids. The challenge is to get a group of kids to think about someone other than themselves. And, you know, we've just been fortunate to have people that really buy into that, that deal because, um, you know, you may have guys that score a lot of points, um, you know, but in order to win the postseason, there's gotta be a concerted effort to, 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 def you know, to defend, to work your butt off on, you know, do those little things that unselfish teams do. So we just drive that home and, um, you know, that's, that's kind of what we do is, is just be tough, be smart, be unselfish. 
that's a difficult yeah. thing to do every single season consistently get that buy-in to be unselfish especially at any level right when you get a new class yeah. I'm a new senior class but you've consistently done that where you're having kids unselfish you're having big men boxing out consistently We've, you've you've shown highlights of your son Nick on Twitter of him making all these hustle plays and whenever you see Dublin basketball you think what crisp unselfish basketball lots of passing in a fun brand of basketball to watch right so how do you consistently get that buy-in every year to where every pretty much it seems like all the kids are buying into just being on selfish, especially when you say maybe more of a me first culture nowadays too? It's hard. I mean, it, you know, it's, it's a, uh, it's a constant day to day battle because, you know, if you got guys worrying about how many shots they're going to get or, you know, um, how many touches and, and, you know, how many minutes they get, then that just kind of takes away from, from the hole and and you know I don't know if there's any you know recipe for that it's just an attitude um and, it, and it, it's not just on the court I mean we're looking out for each other on campus we're, we're eating together we're you know you know team meals are huge it's just it's just an attitude where you know because you know all we kind of talk to them about is that when you leave this place you know you, you the days of you wearing a uniform are numbered and um, you know, people are not going to remember, remember necessarily how many points you scored or your best games. They're going to remember how you made them feel and whether they're part of something and to be able to, to make the 15th guy on the team or the 12th guy on the team feel as important as the, you know, first guy on the team. That's a, that's a lot of hard work, but that's sort of an attitude. And I think, when the younger guys see uh, the older guys operate that way, it makes it easier to kind of domino, you know, to domino that effect. Um, but it was initially, it was very, very hard. We had some, you know, some selfish attitudes and, and um, you know, and that, you know, slowly became the rarity versus the norm. And, um, but yeah, there isn't one that's, you know, it's just an attitude. It's just a, a way you go about, um, you know, thinking about each other and, and caring about each other. And then I want to go into yeah. this year's team as well. And what exactly does it about this team that's special? Well, you know, fortunately, we haven't had a chance really to play a whole lot. But I, uh, I, I think the excitement for me is that, you know, going in, is that, uh, you know, a lot of probably, you know, the consensus is that, you know, Dublin's going to be down and, uh, you know, losing nine, 10 seniors, you know, is, is a big, you know, is a big uh, number. But I think the returners that we have, uh, you know, carrying that culture coupled with, uh, um, you know, the JV team, which, uh, you know, I mentioned to Chris before it was 49, it was 49 and two in two years. So they're used to winning and that, that breeds success. Um, and then we have, you know, a couple additions and for the first time in a while, I feel like we we're going to be kind of flying under the radar a little bit and, and, um, you know, maybe overlooked, um, which, you know, sort of a breath of fresh air and, and, uh, makes us more hungry. And kind of going off yeah. that last question, we saw when we had that Zoom with your kids last week, how hungry they appeared to be. I think every single kid built off the last one, speaking of, hey, maybe you lost nine, ten seniors when that really great senior class, the one 
a whole bunch of ball games for you the last three, four years, but now you've got this new team, new leadership that's hungry, they're talented. So I guess going off that, how hungry does that look? How hungry do these kids look each and every day? And how much more excitement does that just give you every single day as a coach? Yeah. Well, it's, it's, it's pretty awesome. Like, you know, you have a kid, you know, Caleb, Caleb Oden and, and TJ Meager, for example. I mean, they're, they're guys that, you know, were, you know, our 10th, maybe, you know, ninth, 10th guy um, last year that would probably start for a lot of teams that we've played against. And I mean, to their credit, they were very patient and very um, unselfish. Um, they just go about their business. Should they, you know, have played more? Probably. I mean, in their mind, you know, they're good enough to play a lot of minutes, but they were smart enough to understand that, you know, we had some guys that, that were, that were pretty good and, and um, they were willing to share those minutes. But I think, you know, they have done a great job. Those two in particular have done a great job in, you know, carrying the torch, so to speak, uh, and representing, you know, the Dublin teams from the, you know, from years past and, and they don't want to be the team that sort of lets those guys down. Um, so the leadership, you know, it's, it's hard to kind of go from being that, you know, ninth, 10th, 11th guy, maybe to a leadership role. I mean, that's not easy to do. And that's a skill that I think that has to be learned just like dribbling, passing, shooting. Um, so we, you know, that's just stuff that we've been working with them on and, um, you know, but, but the hunger is, and, and, and I think the, the, the energy and the, and the, and the grind goes to um, the younger kids wanting to live up to the expectations of our, of our program. You know, now there's, it's their chance. I mean, they watch, you know, the big games with the packed house and the, you know, the bright lights and they want to be a part of it. You know, they, they, you know, it's so cool, you know, even the younger, younger kids, um, you know, when they come to watch the games and, you know, with the packed house and the, and the bright lights and everything. And they, you know, they come in with their little basketballs and their Dublin, Dublin shirts and stuff with their folks. And they see their eyes light up with the big scoreboard. Um, they just want to be a part of a part of that deal. And it, and it fires me up. And then you got to yeah. coach your son Nick as well. And now you see him commit to UC San Diego for baseball. How special was it to coach your son throughout high school? It's uh when you're going through it, you don't realize it. Um, but, you know, when that last buzzer sounds and you go home and you figure, you know, man, this, that's going to be, you know, the last time we get to coach this kid, um, you know, and, and it's tough being a coach's kid. It's tough. And, you know, you, you kind of coach through him, meaning, you know, I know that I can, you know, give him a little bit extra, you know, I can, I can yell at him a little harder. I can, you know, be a little bit harder on him to send a message to everyone else. And he was smart enough to understand that. Um, and, you know, I think he, you know, I think most coaches, kids, you know, understand, you know, they're usually glue guys, right? They're usually guys that kind of do those little things that, um, cause they, he, you know, he watches me watch film and hears me yell out loud. I mean, we need this, we need this. Um, but he was so smart on figuring out what our team needed at that particular time. Um, and I think the Bellarmine game was, was a good example of that. I mean, he's was never known as a scorer, you know, but he was smart enough to understand that there was probably four or five guys that need the ball. Um, and, but, 
you know, we were struggling a little bit early in that Bellarmine game. And, you know, he, he kind of took it upon himself. He, I think he had, you know, his, one of his career high, he had 18, 19 points, um, and he gave us a spark we needed. But um, I'm going to miss him. Uh, you know, he's, he's uh, you know, a good kid. He, he does, you know, everything the right way. He's reliable. Um, and, you know, I think baseball had always been his – you know, the thing he was probably best at. And um, uh, he just kind of took on football at freshman year. He, he really liked football, but, and he loved playing basketball. Um, but to have his senior, you know, his senior year cut from baseball was, was tough for him. So to see him kind of um, achieve one of his goals uh, to play division one baseball has been huge. Yeah. And he was an yeah. all league player in football in the East Bay Athletic League, Brad, a great basketball player to a glue guy for you guys and a baseball player now going to play at the next level at UC San Diego. How did Nick get to that point? And just how did he help you instill that culture of just the unselfishness and the success that you had at Dublin on the basketball court? Yeah, well, I mean, I got to be a little careful here because, you know, no favoritism and stuff. But, but I mean, he sort of embodies, you know, the tough, smart, and selfish. You know, I mean, he he's um, – you know, he kind of, he kind of embodies that part. And, and I think, you know, if you look at, if you look at our games, um, if you're not necessarily a basketball guy and, and um, don't really, you know, just kind of look at points and all that stuff, you probably think, why is this dude playing? And then if you dive down deep, um, you know, you kind of figure out that, you know, he does a lot of little things. He does a lot of little things that help us be successful. And I think it took our guys a little bit of time to figure that out, um, how important he was. And I think a lot of that came out, you know, during practices when, shoot, I hate playing against this dude. <laughs> you know, I, I hate him, you know. Um, you know, we talked to uh, Courtney Anderson, who, uh, you know, just joined our team from Salesian. And, and um, I remember we were up in Gridley, uh, we played them for the championship game in Gridley and, and Courtney was, was hot in the game before. And I said, man, we gotta, we gotta shut this dude down. You know, he, we can't let him open. And so I talked to Courtney about it. And uh, one of the first things, you know, he kind of talked to me about is like, um, yeah, I hated playing against your son. <laughs> he said, he just, he would always be right there. He's like a little gnat. And I said, well, that, you know, that's kind of one of the things he does, but um, anyway, he just, he just, you know, we just do whatever it took to win. And, you know, uh, and in, I think in football it was kind of the same way. And uh, I'm really glad he stuck it out because he broke his collarbone his junior year, uh, played the first four um, and then broke his collarbone. And we thought it was, you know, he's pretty much done with football. And, uh, but he stuck with it and uh, had a great year, you know, played, played a lot of different positions and um, it was sort of validated at the coaches meeting, I guess, you know, with the coaches and um, kind of asked them, you know, are you interested in playing football at the next level? He said, no, I'm good. You know, I had my fun. And, and I asked him, I said, why, you know, why, uh, why'd you love football so much? He said, he said two things. He said, number one, he said, Friday nights under those lights are unbelievable. He said the rush that goes through your body, um, you know, when the whole city's watching, he said, you, you can't describe it. He said, the adrenaline is unbelievable. And he said, number two is, I'm not supposed to be good. Like, there's no pressure on me, you know, to be good. And so I had to do a little soul searching myself to figure out, okay, am I putting, you know, 
some pressure on him, you know, either baseball or basketball, you know, and this is his sport where he can kind of let loose. And, but, uh, but yeah, he's, you know, he's, uh, he's a good kid. He's a good kid. I was lucky to be able to coach him as long as I did. And then I yeah. want to talk more about e-ball as well. How fun is it to play in e-ball basketball? Uh, well, you know, coming from the DFAL was, you know, where we, you know, where we kind of initially, you know, initially started. That's a heck of a league. And then um, obviously our, our population grew and, and uh, we kind of outgrew that league a little bit. Um, but uh, man, it, what great tradition for me personally, you know, going back to EBL because I grew up, you know, I am with our value. Uh, you know, that's, it was, that was the league, right? It's one of the top leagues in Northern California. Um, I put them up, you know, against the WCAL um, as one of the top leagues and, uh, and to be able to play more local because one of the deals with the DFAL is that, you know, we were so far South that we never really had those rivalries. You know, we played Camp Lindo. It was like, man, no one really came to the game. Camp Lindo didn't know, you know, there was no rival between us two. Um, the kids didn't know each other. There weren't any, you know, you know, youth rivalries or anything like that. So it was just kind of like, eh, kind of game. And then they hate coming, coming all the way out to our place. And, um, you know, Miramani, Akalani's, we had some battles. But, again, it wasn't that, you know, we hate you guys type thing, you know, which fires us up. And, um, you know, the Doherty Valley joined, which was, you know, now we have, you know, those two games to kind of look forward to. But in the EBAL, it's every game. I mean, everybody, you know, we know guys from each team. We grew up playing, you know, our kids grew up playing against guys from each team and um, makes each game a little bit, you know, more localized and, and more intense and, it's just a good, it's a well-coached league. Um, and, um, you know, shoot, it's, it's a heck of a, you know, you're in a battle every night. Now some fun questions for you. Yeah. Something we ask everybody, what's your favorite home-cooked <laughs> meal? My favorite home-cooked meal, uh, growing up in my household, and it's weird because my dad's, my dad's full-blooded Italian. He did, he did all the cooking growing up. Um, you know, being the youngest of eight, you just kind of got whatever you could get at the time. But pierogies, and it's weird because it's not an Italian dish, but for me, pierogies with, with grilled onions um, is my go-to or any time he makes pasta with his pasta sauce um, would, be, would be my go-to. be nice having yeah. an Italian father. I'm sure you had some great, <laughs> great home-cooked pastas and stuff like that as well. Well, here's the, yeah, well, here's the deal. He made his, he, he always, it was always from scratch. So his dad came over from, from Naples, Italy, right? With 10 bucks in his pocket, got the whole story. But um, he grew up playing in the coal mines of, of, uh, of uh, Pennsylvania. So if he didn't, if you guys have ever watched the movie, All the Right Moves with Tom Cruise, um, it's an oldie. I don't know if you guys watched it, but it's sort of like that where if you didn't get, if you didn't get a scholarship, you know, you can't afford college. And luckily he got it, you know, he was able to get a scholarship to Fordham university and play football. And I, you know, I was asking my dad, what, what positions you play? He said, uh, defensive halfback. So what is that? What do you, what, he said, ah, they call it corner, cornerback now. I said, okay, I got you. And, um, and I didn't realize he never talked to himself too much, but he, um, he, uh, 
you know, when I, I did a report back in college about the Black Sox scandal um, in one of my one of my classes, and I happened to you know look through all those old old press clippings, and he was all over the New York Times. And I thought, man, this dude's can play a little bit, and so we got to chatting. And, um, maybe because I was the youngest of the eight, I didn't really get all the stories that everyone else did. Um, but you know, it turns out that his freshman football coach was a guy named Vince Lombardi. Um, who you may have heard of before and, uh, you know, and he, he called him coach Vinny and stuff. And then obviously he moved on to bigger and better things, but, um, just some, you know, he's, he just, he sits up, he's, he's 89 years old. He's going, he'll be 90 in, in April. I haven't, unfortunately, I haven't hugged him since the Sheldon game, um, cause of this whole, the whole COVID thing, but, um, talk to him all the time, but he's always sit behind me. He always sits behind me in the top top row and all he wants all he he uh he wants me to do is just lay off the refs that's all he doesn't care about the game doesn't care about but if I yell at the refs he is all over me so um his priorities are pretty are pretty set in stone that's a pretty cool story yeah that is and then the next question is who are your favorite athletes growing up and maybe favorite athletes right now uh growing up it was Chris Mullen because I was a lefty shooter and, um, you know, without a doubt, uh, Isaiah Thomas, I was, a, I was a fan of the ba- uh, Detroit bad boys growing up. Um, uh, you know, th- those are probably the two biggest, I was a basketball junkie. So I had every sports illustrated cover. Um, I would, you know, read it, cut it, put it, and that was my wallpaper in my house. So every, every, uh, every sports illustrated cover we had, um, but yeah, it was it was uh, it was Chris Mullen and Isaiah Thomas were my two guys. Um, what was the second? What was the second question? Oh, now? Uh, yeah, right now. Um, I'm not. You know, I, I like the Warrior. I you know I'm a Warriors fan at NBA, but that's pretty much the only NBA I watch is uh, is um, is the Warriors. I, I mean, I, I think Steph Steph Curry has changed the game. You know, and. and um, I enjoy watching them play because it's it's sort of like the style that we kind of play as a team, um, you know, just sharing it and moving it and swing, you know, find the open guy. And I like, I mean, you know, as much of a, um, you know, polarizing figure as he is, Draymond Green is a, is a glue guy. I mean, that team, it doesn't matter what his numbers are, that team is so much better with him in the lineup. Um you know, it has nothing to do with his numbers, just, you know, his constant talk and, and, um, you know, keeping guys engaged and his intensity. I mean, that's a skill within itself. Um, so I enjoy watching them play. Um, baseball wise, I'm a huge A's fan. Uh, huge A's fan. There we Love go. it. <laughs> What's that? I'm, I knew he'd like the Dave Stewart reference. There we go. Good. It's too, yeah. Um, huge. Yeah. Uh, in fact, uh, well, Stu, I don't know if Stewie Thalbum was our longtime manager. Uh, he just graduated, and we got him in the game. I don't know if you saw that, but we got him in the game one one of the games this year. Um, but uh, Stewie's dad is uh, the visiting clubhouse manager for the A's, and his name is Mike Mikey Thalbum, and he's a good friend with uh, Dave Stewart. And uh, so I got to talk to Stu one time and um, watch him grow up. You know, growing up. And everything but uh yeah he's it, it's uh yeah big fan of the ace like you know, huge fan huge fan can't stand the giants um sorry 
<laughs> um, Niners, you know, for sure. Um, you know, it's weird. I'm a, I'm a Niners A's fan, which is, is sort of odd. But, yeah, I think it's because when I was growing up, the Raiders were in L.A., right? And um, so the only thing on TV were the Niners. So. Had me, had me at the A's, lost me at the Niners, though. Uh, so I usually do. It's usually one way or the other, yeah. And what's odd is my, my wife is a huge Raiders fan. And so we, we pretty much don't talk during, you know, during the season. But, uh, yeah, it's, it was kind of weird. Really weird growing up. with the Warriors, and then you lost me on the next two. I lost you on the what? You lost me on the next two. Okay, sorry. Yeah. And then I'm a Patriots fan, so. Ooh. Everyone hates Ooh. Joe, he mentions the Patriots too. It just never ends because everyone hates it. So I love being yeah. hated. Yeah. Well, if you're if you're hated, you're you're doing something right. Right. Exactly. So, all right. Yeah. yeah. That's true. I mean, people don't really yeah. hate me this year. I don't. I don't like it. Yeah. People don't hate the Patriots as much. No. Yeah. <laughs> I'd rather be the hated than the lovable losers. That's very yeah. true. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. That's very true. And then last question we got for you. Favorite memories, favorite games, coaching at Dublin High School. Ooh, uh, man, I, I think uh, you know just one that's fresh in my mind is is uh, you know to the Shel that the Sheldon game was just a great high school basketball game. Um, last game of the year this year, um, just you know a group that bought in, changed the whole way of our whole way of playing. Um, for the sake of, of winning a basketball game. Uh, I'll never forget those guys for, for trusting me on that. Um, Stewie Thalbum getting in against Livermore and hitting a, hitting a big three-pointer um, after spending four years with us as a, as a uh, selfless team manager. Um, I, the 2013 team, the um, North Cal championship game at uh, Sleep Train, where we lost in – um, overtime 93-90, um, you know, that we were down 12 and battled back and got it to overtime and then the guy just hit a, hit a, hit a shot. And um, uh, that one, um, I, and those, those three really, really stick out, um, really stick out for me. Yeah. Yeah, you've had some good ones there throughout the years. I'm sure we got to get one. We got to win one, though, man. We got to win it. Been so close. Been so. Yeah. Close. I'm not. I'm not going to bring up some of the heartbreaking memories on the podcast. But hey, I'll own it. I'll own it. We got to win that sucker, man. I mean, honestly, though, one yeah. of the best games I've ever seen. It was James Logan. You guys were down five last year. What Jaden Saunders has what that five point play because he's fouled on the three. Then there's the technical. So there's a yeah. five point play, and somehow yeah. James Logan comes back right away. As soon as that kid takes that shot, you just knew that thing was yep. going in. So, just... I mean, unbelievable shot. I mean, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a little bit of controversy. There's you know, it was a little controversy, but uh, leading up to that and stuff. But but man, that kid, you know, you know, that kid had the shot of his life, and, and credit to him, man. Because I don't know if you that dude made a play. It, that ball didn't come to him. He went and got it. He was in the deep corner, and he sprinted. He made a read and just turned and hucked it. What are you going to do? Yeah. But the fact that we were still in that game was, was great. But yeah, they deserve that game. Yeah. You've had yeah. some good ones throughout the years. Eventually. Yeah. Maybe this year you guys get back on top of NCS. Right? Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. We'll get there. Yep. Yeah. Well, you got to own it, man. You got to own it. Can't, you know, yep. well, I'll, 
you know, I'll let you know when I'm over those games, by the way. <laughs> I, I don't know. I think it's, not hard sure. to, it's hard to get over the losses, honestly. Even it's it's hard. Because what is it? It's Jerry, hard. Because what Jerry West has said, too, even in his book, he's so pissed about the losses from 50, 60 years ago. Yeah. He, won, he won a title, but he's still mad about all the losses. You can't. Yeah, it's hard. I think, you know, you hate losing more than you love winning, right? So you remember those tough ones. So there's probably there's probably great, you know, a lot of great wins, but the ones that stick out are the ones that you, you know, one one possession here, one possession there, and that, that's just what eats at you. And, and uh, you know, you, you want to get better. Yeah, but we'll get one. We'll get one. We're the, the Division three championship loss, the Division two championship loss, the Division one championship loss, and open division loss. So, you know, unless there's a super open division, we're due. I mean, we got we to gotta get one of these. Yeah, you, you've done everything you can. To get <laughs> it's just been – Tough shots at the end of games a lot of times, too, but you'll get yeah. yeah. Well, you know, in that, in that thin air, man, you get, you, all those little things add up, right? So, possession here, possession there. You know, yeah. You guys right. get there. You're that close, and, and you're bound to get one, like you said. You're due. I'll we'll get there. We'll I'll, get there. Yeah. I'll, I'll guarantee Dublin gets one the next four years. All right. I'll bet on it. I'll bet on it. Thanks so much, Coach Ella from Dublin, for coming on and joining the 48th episode of the West Coast Preps podcast. Be sure to follow Dublin basketball this year for what should be another special season on the hardwood. Be sure to check out this podcast on YouTube. Subscribe to our YouTube page. Follow us on social media at West Coast Preps underscore. And follow all of our work at westcoastpreps.com. Because I'm gone. So long.